I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 198. We're getting so close to 200. Oh my god, I was about to say that. Sucka, I'm faster. And literally nothing's going to happen when we get there. But we're just getting closer. <laughs> we're just going to record it like any other day. I mean, we might have a little more fanfare at the oh. beginning. And by that, I mean me going, oh my god, episode 200. <laughs> well, don't scare them away yet. True. All right, we're jumping right in. Hey ladies, seriously, I cannot remember if this is my fifth or sixth story I've sent in, but I guess it really doesn't matter. Your podcast is my total entertainment at work, and after becoming a Patreoner last month, I have been binging all the extra goodies that you beautiful ladies have, and let me tell you, everyone here at work is sick of me laughing out loud at what looks like, to them, nothing, but they can suck it. I love your banter and back and forth. Reminds me of me and my bestie that works in the same office as I do. You guys are about 10 years younger than I am, but we are from the same area of South Mississippi, and it's fun to hear you ladies talk about the area and having to deal with things around here, i.e. the hospitals. I just heard the mini episode where Donna went to the hospital with a blood clot and having her BFF carry there fighting with and for her and dealing with the uncertainty of what is going on, etc. Same thing happened to me, except I did not have shortness of breath. I had what I thought was a bad and continuous cramp in my leg. Well, I had a baby six months prior by C-section and I laid in my bed for hours because no one at the hospital told me that as soon as I was able, I needed to get over my stuffed, supersized, extra, extra large ass out of the bed to prevent blood clots. And shocker, I got a blood clot that, as I said, I thought was a bad cramp. I would stretch and massage, my husband would massage, and I finally gave up and went to immediate care in tears because of the pain. When I finally got to see the doctor, he was totally awesome and was checking me out. He starts rubbing my leg and says, now the massage is not going to be extra, so you won't see it on your bill. This doctor was so awesome and funny, he retired of course, and told me he thought it was a blood clot and set me up to do the testing to make sure. Anyway, long story short, too late, they found the blood clot behind my knee and started pumping me full of blood thinners along with shots that I took in my stomach for a week. Anyway, like I said, six months prior, I had my son that me and my whole family prayed for for about five years. I had miscarried before then and was being told that I need to start thinking about other options because my body was apparently not going to handle pregnancy. Well, I did look into a lot of different options, but guess what? You got to be a rich bitch to do any other option, which me and my husband did not have at the time. After the miscarriage, I was not in a good place. Depressed, very sad, lonely. Although I did have my husband, he was sad too. And honestly, we were so frustrated at the whole situation. We really didn't know how to communicate well about the subject of a baby without making someone cry. So we just didn't talk about it really. So I had this dream of this little boy who kept running up to me and asking me to carry him. He was tired. I tell the kid to go find your mama. I have enough issues carrying my big ass around. And then I would wake up. I had this dream about five times. You know, because I'm hard-headed and super lazy and not fooling with a stranger's kid. On the sixth time I dreamed of the little boy, I finally picked him up and he tells me his name's Jonah and he's waiting on me. I wake up, but this time I'm fully awake. The dreams stay with me all week, but I told no one about it because I'm sure you ladies know of other women that have gone through the heartache of a miscarriage and everyone has to tell you their story and they want to tell you to not give up and have you tried this or that and on and on when you just want to feel your feelings and have a baby. I know they were thinking of me and my feelings, but when you're going through that and someone tells you the same happened to them and it'll work out, you feel the polite thing to do is muster up some sympathy for them and thank them for the advice, but fuck that shit after five years, we tried everything and nothing you tell me is going to help. I'm sorry. Maybe that makes me a bitch. 
so be it then. So I have the little boy dream again, and this time, every time he comes up to me, I pick him up. I have the dream again, except the little boy tells me again he's waiting on me, but this time he says, I'm Jonah, and I'm finally here. I wake up, and I think, huh. Well, my brain was probably tired of the same thing over and over again. Try not to think too much about it. The next few days, I experience feelings of gross and just sick to my stomach, but What caught my husband's attention was I turned down a honey bun he bought me for breakfast one morning. He instantly tells me I should take a test. I do, and yes, I was pregnant. I told him this time we're not telling anyone until the baby is here, and everyone wants to know whose baby. Well, I didn't make that long, of course. We started telling family and close friends four months into the pregnancy. I had my first ultrasound because we wanted to know what I was having, although I already knew. She's moving the wand over my belly and asks, do you want to know? I told her I already do, but my husband, mama, mother-in-law, who were all in the room, wanted to know. She asked me what I think it is. I tell her I know it's a boy. She looks at me surprised and asks, how do you know that? I can barely make out his boy bits, she says. I tell her I know his name too. She looks at me with that, okay, right, I believe you, not really, looks and tells everyone it's a boy. Everyone hugs and leaves the room. The pregnancy goes on. I'm sick every day, fucking morning sickness. And fuck people telling you that after your first trimester, it will get better. It did not. I puked every day. I lose about 100 pounds. I was the skinniest I have ever been when I was pregnant. Then, when I was eight months pregnant, I had another ultrasound. My OBGYN put me on the high risk because of my weight and because of the miscarriage. During the ultrasound, I noticed the lady was very quiet and would not look directly at me. I asked what's going on. She just gets up and tells me she's getting the doctor. I'm in panic mode now. This is my fifth ultrasound, so I was by myself, but my mother-in-law happened to work in the office where the OBGYN worked. She comes to the door, and I burst into tears, and so does she. The doctor comes in and tells us to please calm down. The baby's just small, and I will need to deliver ASAP. I was put into the hospital that night. It took five nurses and two doctors to get my IV started. The baby was using everything in my body to nourish itself. My veins were so tiny and non-existent that they had to get a neonatal unit nurse. After her second try, she hit the vein and then told me she was going to put another in the same hand just in case. So after about three hours of getting stabbed and basically turned into a human pincushion, I had two IVs and was ready for my Pitocin to start labor. After 12 hours of labor pains, my doctor checks me for the fifth time and tells me I'm two, maybe. She tells me I can rest and start all over again the next morning, or she can deliver him by C-section. I said, let's do this. An hour later, my son Jonah was born. He was a very healthy but tiny four pounds. My husband handed him to me when I held him for the first time. I counted his toes and his fingers, and he just laid there looking at me. I said, hello, Jonah. We finally meet again, and he smiles and goes right to sleep. When me and my husband brought him home, he was three pounds. He's now 18 and six feet tall and about 250 pounds. I told him he came to me in a dream before he was born all the time, but he thinks I'm a weirdo and goes on about his teenager business. But I know, and his father knows, that he did because I was losing my faith, my will, and my want to do anything. I've never been a baby person, never really thought about having kids until I was with my husband, and he convinced me on one baby. I was ready to give up and just be content with having no kids, but after those dreams, I knew it was my duty to bring Jonah into the world, and I could not give up. It was going to eventually happen. After everything settled, we found out that my placenta was 50% dead, and if I would have went to full term, Jonah would not have made it. He would have starved to death. I was advised not to have any more children myself, and my husband immediately went and got a vasectomy. 
He told me if I could go through all that, then he could go through a five-minute operation. Sorry this story was long, but I really did condense it down. So many other strange coincidences happened that make me aware that even though it was very uncomfortable and miserable, the outcome would have been worth it, and it was. Sorry about the grammar of run-on sentences, too. You ladies do a wonderful job, and I hope you keep at it for a long time. Amber from Mississippi. That'd be some shit if he remembered coming to you in a dream. Right? Could you imagine if he was like, I know, which is what most teenagers say anyway. Mm-hmm. I know. No, you fucking don't. <laughs> You'll know everything. <laughs> Ugh, they're the worst. The worst is getting stabbed trying to get your vein started. That, whatever that is. The IV. Um, do you remember, speaking of you going to the hospital, do you remember that time that you did go to the hospital and you were about to die and you almost left because they told you you were going to have to do an IV? Yes, you recently told that story too. Yeah, because I just need to just really <laughs> emphasize you. Yes, and they stuck me like four times. And they also put two IVs in and that one in my hand hurt so bad and they never used it. Probably because they were like, my God, let's get as many in her as we can before we freaking lose her. Ugh, my veins are stupid. I'm so glad we made this whole story about us. Well, you know what? I That's my specialty. I'm a Leo. <laughs> but yeah, once once you're cleared, you got to get up and move up in the hospital. Yeah, I can't believe they didn't tell you that. Okay, the next one. Sleep talking and bugging the husband. Hey girls, today I listened to episode 160 and someone wrote in about her sleep talking experiences and her papa was looking for the sneaky boy in her room that wasn't really there. Well, it inspired me to tell you my funny sleep talking experiences. My husband Kevin and I are newlyweds and we've only lived together for about a year now. My husband's a coal miner and he works the mad shift, midnight, afternoon, day. It also might be M-A-D shift. I don't know. I just said mad. (laughs) When he's on afternoon shift, I sleep on the couch and wait until he comes up. It's not as romantic as it may sound. He doesn't like the cat sleeping with us in our bedroom, and I have a cat that has a bit of separation anxiety and will paw at the door, making it rattle until I open it. But he must be scared of Kevin because he doesn't do it when Kevin's in the bedroom. One night when Kevin got home from afternoon shift, he came to wake me up to bring me to the bed, and I began to tell him about the dish cable being out and how the electricity was bouncing. Yes, bouncing. It was bouncing all over the room. He asked if the power was out, and I said, no, it's just bouncing. Kevin was like, what the fuck are you talking about? I just stood up and walked to bed with nothing further to say. Another story. This time, Kevin and I were both home and I could actually sleep in my bed and not on the couch. Kevin was in the living room watching TV while I went to bed early. Maybe around midnight or so, he finally came to bed. I heard the door creak and I sat straight up in bed and said, about damn time. Like, sleep me must have been mad that he didn't come to bed when I did. Last story, because this is already a mile long. Same situation as before. Kevin was in the living room watching TV and I was in the bedroom sleeping. He again came to bed and I heard the door creak. Me, befuddled and confused and asleep, asked, How did you get in here? He replied, Uh, through the door? Go back to sleep. We laugh now because what in the world was I going to do if it was an intruder and not Kevin? Just ask them how they got in here? I'd be dead. Also, I rely too much on my two great dames to be my security system if someone were to break into the house. Love you girls, Angie. That is such a, like, first year of a relationship slash marriage to be, like, mad that uh-huh. they didn't come to bed. Like, that was, like, the, the only thing that Colby and I used to fight about would be, <laughs> yeah. I wanted him to come to bed when I went to bed, mm-hmm. and 
he would fall asleep on the couch. Yes. And it would make me so mad. <laughs> and he is a grumpy bear when you wake him up, <laughs> which would lead to, well, then leave your ass in here, you know? <laughs> yeah. That did remind me of y'all. Yes. God. <laughs> now I'm like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I'm going to bed. Yeah. I will say with him, though, with Colby, it got so much better when he got a CPAP, though, yeah. because he sleeps so much better now when he comes to bed, whereas before, it didn't matter, you know? Yeah. Also, I love when people get so mad, like, the electricity's bouncing. The power's out? No, it's bouncing. Also, this really has nothing to do with the story other than your husband's name is Kevin, but Carrie ruined that name for me because she said, like, why do people name their dogs Kevin? Swear to God, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> and one of our listeners, yeah. Caitlin, she was like, uh, my dog's name is Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> but I said I love it when yeah. people name their dogs like people names like Kevin. Yeah, but God. So the whole time I'm like, Kevin is now a dog. A dog, name. same. I literally was thinking about Caitlin the whole time and her dog, Kevin. <laughs> okay, the next one. Woman of the Night. Hey, lovely ladies. I wanted to start by saying that I love your podcast, and I'm currently listening to a Sinister Sightings episode right now, which inspired me to send in my own story. I'm very interested in paranormal stuff, and I've been known to scare myself from your podcast. I have a pretty short paranormal story for you guys, so I'm going to jump right into it. When I was a teenager, I can't remember exactly how old, I was sitting in the living room with my parents and we were just chit-chatting. I don't remember what we were talking about, but I told my parents that I wanted to see a ghost. My mom, who used to be really religious, said, be careful what you ask for. I just shrugged it off and we all went to bed. I need to start by telling you guys the setup of my bedroom because it's pertinent to the story. My bed was against the wall with the window on the left side of my bed and my door was on the right side of the bed. It was in the middle of the night, and I was woken up out of a deep sleep. I looked to the right side of my bed and saw a pitch black shadow standing by my bed. It looked like a woman with long curly hair, but no features. At first, I blinked my eyes, thinking that my eyes were playing tricks on me, but the figure was still there. I kept blinking, and the figure wasn't going anywhere. Once I realized that, I started freaking out. I wanted to scream for my mom or get up and run out the door, but I was paralyzed. I closed my eyes for like the sixth time, and when I opened them again, the figure was gone. You best believe after that, I jumped out of my bed and ran to my parents' room. I slept in between them for the rest of the night. I don't think the woman was trying to scare me or hurt me. I think she was just showing herself to me because I asked. She did fuck with my sleep, though, and that was not cool. All I know is after that instance, I am 1,000% a believer in the paranormal. I have other stories that I've experienced with my ex-husband, but I'll save those for another time. Keep it real and don't get scared, Sam R. Well, ask and you shall receive. Right? Uh-uh. Well, you not only saw a ghost, you got some sleep paralysis right? with it, it sounds like. Well, aren't you an overachiever? You got a two for one. A two for. Okay, the next one. Imaginary friend or just my uncle? Hi, I'm new to your podcast. I have no idea what made me subscribe a while ago and not listen for so long, but I'm annoyed because it's great and I should have been listening all along. Don't worry, I've been binging it while trying to fix up my new house alone with my two kids. Fuck my life. But you're helping a ton, so thank you. This story is about my little brother and it's always stuck with me. I want to know your thoughts on it. I've literally never had a venue to share it, so this is fucking exciting. Okay, so when I was 14, my uncle sadly passed away unexpectedly from an accidental overdose. It was awful. 
My mom was about six months pregnant with my little brother, Michael, at the time, so obviously he never got to meet Michael. Years later, almost as soon as Michael could talk, he used to tell us about his imaginary friend named Jack. They were besties. We rolled with it, as weird as it seemed. This went on for at least a year or two, I think. It's important to know that we never talked about my uncle after he passed. We didn't have any pictures of him around, nothing. My family's kind of ridiculous about how we handle death. I roll. They did, not me. Anyway, my mom and I were playing with Michael in his room one day. My mom said to Michael that she noticed he hadn't been playing with Jack lately. My brother innocently said, Oh yeah, he said he was only here to meet me and see if I'm okay, but he had to go away now. Cool, 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 cool. I was just curious, so I asked Michael what Jack looked like. To a motherfucking T, he described my uncle. He had very distinct features, and my brother described them perfectly. Chills, man. Chills. So, do you think it was my uncle? I don't really know how I feel about that kind of thing, but I do find it comforting to think that it could have been him. Or was it just a kid being a kid? Less interesting. Let me know your thoughts and creep on creeping on Jen. I don't know, but I do know that I feel like I'm not cool enough to be Jen's friend. Chills, man. Chills. Yeah, chills and the, uh, just the man's. I feel like I really try to make the man thing happen, but it doesn't work. No, you're like that kid who's like, no, I'm a cool man. Man. Like you say it like yes. all the time. I feel a little bit like Amanda Bynes and she's the man. <laughs> yes. Yes. Me too. And I just like Gouda. <laughs> I think it was your uncle. I mean, it would make sense. I mean, why not, right? Did I miss it? Did they ever say the uncle's name? No, but I'm guessing it was Jack. Yeah, if it if it was Jack, then well, it was your uncle. <laughs> also, you gotta talk about death. It's hard not to talk about it. You know, some people are like that when it involves things that they're like wanting to sweep underneath the uh-huh. rug. But that just makes it harder on everybody trying to process it and deal with things Mm -hmm. without being able to talk about it it's not fair to everyone else when just saying like if you're ashamed of how they died or whatever you know Mm -hmm. I feel like it's not fair to other people's process for mourning especially when people keep it a secret of how it happened or like lie about how it happened because then people don't get to actually mourn the real death right I don't think I had any imaginary friends. I can distinctly remember trying to have an imaginary friend because I was like, why don't I have an imaginary friend? Yes. And then like it literally lasted for like an hour and I was like, forgot. (laughs) Yeah, I would just play by myself and be fine with it. Yeah, but we had siblings. Okay, the next one. Damn kids. Hey, ladies and fur babies. Let me just start this like everyone else does. I love you both so much. You guys have been such a big help to me all the way from the pandemic to me suddenly becoming single after almost a five-year relationship. Also, my coworkers all know I listen to you and always ask me, you listening to the murder podcast again? They don't understand, but it's okay. What I'm trying to say is you guys are the only thing that has been able to keep my mind busy, and I'm so thankful for the podcast. After almost two years of trying to convince myself to write in, I finally laid down with my laptop to do it. So I guess I should introduce myself a little. I'm Taylor, and I'm from Muskegon, Michigan. There's really nothing special about it, but it's my home. As of right now, I'm 20, but by the time you read this, I should be 21. Definitely don't mind the spelling errors. I've never been good at writing. All right, on to the stories, I guess. I might as well start off with my own personal paranormal sightings. These are both from my dad's house. 
So the way the house was set up, you would walk into the back door and be in a breezeway type thing that we would always leave our shoes in and other miscellaneous items we didn't have room for in the kitchen. It always had this musty smell with flat beer lingering behind it. Anyway, you would enter the kitchen and off the kitchen was a hallway that led to my room, the bathroom, and then dad's room in that order. Probably doesn't make sense, but that's all right. The bathroom door would open to block dad's door, and of course, the door had a damn mirror right on it so you could always see behind you. The only thing I really remember from this one was I was walking from my room into the hallway and had gone to walk into the bathroom, and when I looked at the door, I caught a glimpse of a small child in a pink dress with curly blonde hair standing in front of the breezeway door. My ass legit froze trying to figure out what I was looking at. So after finding the courage to turn around, I quickly looked behind me and then back in the mirror and didn't see her behind me or in the mirror again. My soul damn near exited my body, I swear. So of course, I go freaking out to my mom and no shit, she goes, me and your brother were just talking about that. And with that, it leads to my next one. This one isn't really mine, but my brother used to tell everyone, so it's fine. Off the dining room at my dad's house, there's this sketchy-ass staircase leading to my brother's room. He would always say when alone in the house that he used to have something or someone walk up the stairs and always stop before being able to be seen. He literally would sit there and talk to it like he would invite it to sit with him and watch TV with him. Fuck that, man. They said that, not me. They're they're the cool man. Since I'm telling you all the creepy shit, I should tell y'all about the doll that used to sit on top of my dad's beautiful dresser. It's literally this old man on a rock with a fishing pole, but obviously a doll. Dad had no idea where the fuck it came from. He said he got really drunk one night and woke up with it in his possession, so he put that ugly thing on the dresser and left it. The damn thing would literally move, and when alone in that room, it literally felt like it was following you with its eyes. Mom absolutely hated it. Fun fact, after Dad passed away in 2017, the doll literally vanished, and no one knows where it went, and the house has never been more quiet. So I guess I'll let you girls come up with some theories. Also, could y'all do me a favor and shout out my mama, Christina. Maybe y'all could convince her to send in her hellhound story and her other ones. I apologize if this was long as shit and probably awful, but if you liked it, I do have some weird shit that has happened in my life. But until next time, Creep It Real Girls, Tay from Michigan. Well, Tay, I loved it. Me too. Send in that shit. And mama, send in your hellhound shit. (laughs) And hey, mama, Christina. And also how Mama Christina was just like, oh, yeah, me and your brother were talking about that. Oh, uh, wait. Can you elaborate on that a little bit, Mama? Mm-hmm. I don't know why I had to go so high pitch. And I don't know what that doll looked like, but I don't like it. No, and the fact that it disappeared after your daddy died? Uh-uh. I think Mama Christina got rid of it. Probably. Been like, oh, you love this doll so much? Let's put it in your casket. <laughs> The next one, sinister sightings related to the FLDS church. Oh, I'm ready for this. (laughs) Hi, lovelies. I keep meaning to write in with my paranormal experiences, but last time I sent true crime, and this time I'm sending more true crime adjacent details in relation to a case you covered. I said last time I don't realize my true crime experiences are actually true crime until someone points it out. They're just part of my really weird life. Like, for real, is this a Truman Show? Where are the cameras hidden? JK, JK. Anywho, I just finished listening to Carrie's story about Cara Hopkins and Parley Jeffs Dutson on episode 217, The Lost Boy. You honestly could have just said that guy's name to me and I could have told you he was born into the FLDS church. 
You see, I worked at the public school, Water Canyon School, on the Utah side of the Border Sisters of Hildale and Colorado City. That's Utah and Arizona. After Warren Jeffs was arrested in 2006 and subsequently convicted of the rape of multiple children in 2011, many people who had been in the FLDS cult left it. However, many did not have the means to leave the city or the desire to split up their families, so they stayed and started to build up their homes and community. In 2016, I lived with my newly minted husband and our two beautiful daughters from his practice marriage. That's what we jokingly call his marriage with his ex-wife. We lived in St. George, Utah. I was a speech-language pathologist fresh out of grad school. I'm still an SLP, but I'm jaded and stale now. I interviewed for a job with the local school district, which covered a huge portion of southwestern Utah, including Hildale. They asked if I could handle working with polygamous families without prejudice or being judgmental, and I assured them I could. I grew up in the west desert of Utah, where several polygamous groups lived. My sister's best friend in middle school disappeared one day, only for us to find out that she had been married off to her older sister's husband, who was now married to four women in total. Whenever they came into town to buy groceries, there was one sister wife who would let her come to our house while she went to do the shopping. She was only 14 when her parents married her off, and when she came to our house, she hung out with us, braided our hair, and just did normal teen things. As an adult, I cringed to know what she was enduring from her husband at the time. Visiting us from time to time was her only respite. Pretty soon when she visited, she started bringing her kids along. That friend escaped the cult eventually with her kids and is now thriving. About four years later, the same sister had a different best friend marry into a different polygamous group fresh out of high school. Because yes, there were multiple groups in my area with different beliefs. She would also visit our house occasionally when they came into town. That friend, unfortunately, never quite recovered from the physical and psychological abuse she experienced there. She did leave the cult a few times in her early 40s, only to be pulled back in. On two separate occasions when she left the cult, she married my brother. Yes, twice. They got married and divorced twice, and she's now back with the cult. It's a crazy story with both heartbreaking and bizarre moments. She even accused my sisters of witchcraft at one point. They only wish they were that cool. Never a dull moment in this family, but anyway, I digress. Those were different factions of polygamists from the FLDS church. When I was six months pregnant with my son, the school district hired me for a position working at two schools. One was a preschool in nearby Hurricane, I believe. She did the pronunciation, but it spelled hurricane. But she said, because Utah. (laughs) And the other at the preschool through 12th grade school in Hildale. I think it's now split into two schools with the high school separate because they have so many more students enrolled. But when I worked there, it was technically one entity. I only worked there one year, but it was life-changing. The people in that community were the salt of the earth. They would literally give you the shirt off their backs. They gifted me the most beautiful handmade blankets for my baby, and they even gave me a hand-carved cradle that was stunning. They were struggling with adapting to mainstream America, but they were amazing. These were the people who had left the cult. They were sending their kids to public school, and several of them also took jobs at the public school. For most, this was their first experience with public education. I spent a good amount of my time teaching others how education worked, how special education worked, how to run an iPad, how to email, and even how to vote and what the electoral college was. 
They worked together to build a community library, and they even started a girls' wrestling team. One day, I went to get some lunch. I hadn't the energy to pack a lunch the night before, and there were a few restaurants at the edge of town. One of the roads I usually went on was closed for road work, so I ended up detouring through the Arizona side of the town. My phone lost signal, and then of course my engine started acting like it was going to die. I had just bought a dinky old Chevy Prism for my brother for literally $300, and I hadn't yet realized that the gas gauge was not reliable. I was very pregnant at this time, and I was getting nervous. I had a sinking feeling in the pit of my smushed stomach. The hair on the back of my neck was raised. I looked around, and I saw that I was next to a huge house, and most were smaller. It was pretty much a gated mansion with cameras and really tall fences, so a complex. As I puttered along, I realized that the cameras were following my movements. Someone was watching me. That about scared the pee out of my super compressed bladder. Thankfully, my car decided to coast on by fumes and I made it to a gas station on the highway and put about five gallons in. When I got back to the school, I asked my assistant about the compound. She told me that it was a complex of some of the people that still follow Warren Jeffs. I'm not sure what would have happened had I broken down, but as a hugely pregnant lady, I was very vulnerable. Honestly, they may have been more scared of me than I was of them, but I'm okay with never knowing. After that, I demanded a car from the district that would actually run that I could use between schools for the long and beautiful drive out to Hilldale, and I avoided that compound like the plague. I also got a lot better about packing my lunch the night before the days I was headed out there. Anyways, this was years after the Parley Jeffs Dutson case, but that story hit close to home for obvious reasons. He may have met Kara in St. George, but Murray High School, which Kara attended, and the apartment complex where she was murdered were hundreds of miles away from St. George in Salt Lake County, where I also lived 2018 to 2021. I know many people who have escaped the FLDS cult or similar cults. So many of them are leading amazing, beautiful, wonderful lives, but there are a few like this lost boy, and it's painful to see. I hope people won't judge everyone who has left the cult by this case because there are so many people who make a measurable difference for good in their community every day. Anyway, love you gals. Please keep doing the show until we're all 95 and wrinkly-er. You can use my name. I'm not worried about any repercussions and I didn't include any compromising info. Creep it real and sometimes it's okay to get the pee scared out of you especially if you have a baby and or extra large pizza rolls putting some extra pressure on your bladder. Love, Rachel Stiltskin. Not my real last name, so don't worry. You can say it. Are you related to Rumpel? <laughs> Everything about the FLDS fascinates me. Yeah. Like in the worst possible way, but it really does teach you so much about the way people can and are manipulated and helps you understand more cults. But like, it just breaks my heart when you have people who have been in these cults for literally their entire lives and know no different. Because when they do realize like, wait, this is fucked up and I want to get out. What do they do? Where do they go? They have no social security number. They have no anything to get anything to function in society. Yeah. I mean, like you said, I mean, stuff that you learn in elementary school, they don't know because they've never been taught it. Just think of how much respect we have for people who move to another country where they, you know, it's not their first language or whatever. But these people who are leaving these cults, they're essentially doing that, but within their own country. 
so it seems like, you know, when they're having conversations with people, it's like, what do you mean you don't know this? Well, they've never been taught that. Yeah. Can I just say yeah the whole time? Yeah. And the amount of control that Warren Jeffs still has on the people of that community when he's literally in prison and he has people convinced that it's all a test and that they need to be praying harder. And if the fact that he's still in prison, well, they're not praying hard enough and they're not devoted to him in the way they should be and all this stuff. And he completely puts the blame on them and makes them feel like they're not doing it enough when it's like, no, he committed a crime. He ain't getting out. Right. Nor should he. Mm-hmm. Okay. Park fright, maybe. Hiya, I'm V, and I absolutely adore your podcast. I have a possible sinister sighting story for you both that still occupies a large piece of my mind. A few years ago, my friend, I'm going to say Tara, it may be Tara, but here in the South, we say Tara, so I'm going to say that. A few years ago, my friend Tara and I, both high school freshmen, were sitting on a bench at a local park. We were talking with each other about school and looking at the playset in front of us. Beside the playset, about 15 meters to the side, there was a small brick building that served as a family bathroom and a street lamp thing that cast light onto the park set. About five minutes into the conversation, we both immediately shut up when we heard an aggressive set of footprints sprinting towards us. These footprints were obviously going very fast and had an unnatural slap to them. They were definitely elongated and webbed. I immediately got defensive. I've never felt so on edge in my life. We looked at each other with pale faces to verify if we were both hearing the same thing. We decided it was time to leave, and just before we got up off the bench, we saw a thin, pale figure with elongated arms and legs sprint out from behind the brick bathroom. It was obviously the cause of the noise, and without hesitation, my first reaction was to get up, leave my friend, sorry Tara, and run as fast as I could away. Before my mind had even registered the situation, Something in my gut had triggered the primal urge to get up and skadoot back to the parking lot. We weren't in an area with any large animals, but even if we did, whatever that was didn't resemble any animal I can think of. Tara and I don't talk anymore, but even when we did, she would refuse to talk about that night and actively avoided me for days after that event had taken place. For all I know, it could have been a deformed bald deer or something of that sort, but definitely freaked us out. Thanks for reading. Have a lovely day. Okay, all I picture is that video of the duck running back and forth like... You know what I'm talking about? On TikTok? Yeah, well, it's on like all the things. But, but it's yes, like yes, yes. me running like... Yes. That's the sound I imagine based on what you described. Yeah. Well, it must have really affected Tara slash Tara if she won't even talk about it. Yeah. But what could it have been? A bit? Look, I used to have this stuffed duck in real life and in my dream it would like come to life and it would be like well my dream it was probably like four feet tall but like six seven feet tall and it'd be like like chasing me everywhere with its fucking feet flapping maybe my dream came to life right i think you have told me that in the past yes i can literally picture the duck it was like just a side profile of the duck Mm -hmm. you know like it was like not thin but it was just like the sides of it you know what i'm talking about like the back was the back and like the belly was the stitching and so it wasn't like round and stuffed animal. It was yeah. like flat stuffed animal. And all you saw of that motherfucker was its side in my dream. <laughs> Hell, it could have been a not deer. That stuff freaks me out. I have not been okay since that fucking sinister sightings. Yeah, but why would the deer make like duck-like flapping? True. That would be like tick, 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 not. Yeah, true, true, true. 
I don't know what that was, but that was a cryptid. And again, your friend was clearly very affected by it. Yeah. Also, probably was like, damn, okay, she would leave me to die. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd probably leave Carrie, too. No, probably about it. You definitely would. Well, I'd- honestly, it wouldn't be me leaving you. It would be you leaving me. Yeah. I was about to say, I mean, I definitely would leave you, too. <laughs> yeah. I'd still be going, wait, where is it? Where'd you say it was? What's going on? And Carrie's screaming behind her, at your two o'clock. I literally said that to you today <laughs> <Yes>. at dinner. <laughs> All right. Last one. Possible doppelganger? Question mark. Hello, my name is Myra, and I'm from California. I've been listening to you girls a few months, and I absolutely love your guys' podcast, especially the Sinister Sightings episodes. They're my favorite. Well, I have a short story for you girls. So, this experience happened in my job. I work at a motorcycle apparel store, and on this particular day, it was me and two of my coworkers, James and David, not their real names. We were low on cash that day, so James decided to go to the bank. He typically takes around 30 to 40 minutes to get back. Well, about 15 minutes after he left, I saw him come in. And I remember thinking, wow, that was fast. But I didn't really think anything of it at that moment because I was busy with the customer. After a while, I needed to ask him something. So I looked all over the store and I couldn't find him. So I asked David if he saw him and he was like, yeah, he went to the back room. Well, I went to go check and he was nowhere to be found. David and I both found it odd that he wasn't there. I was like, oh, maybe he forgot something and left again? But we both saw him come in and we never saw him leave. And our store is small, so we definitely wouldn't have missed him. Well, we thought nothing of it and just brushed it off. When he did come back, we both asked him what happened and why he left again. And he looked at us like we were crazy and said, what are you guys talking about? I literally just got back. We thought he was joking with us, but no, he was serious. We were all creeped out. We don't know who or what we saw. To this day, I still think about it and I try to convince myself that maybe I just saw someone who looked a lot like him. But could the both of us really have confused somebody else for him? This other being had the same curly long hair, the same hat, the same clothes, the same everything. I don't know. I'm still baffled and creeped out by it. Well, girls, that's the end of my experience. I hope you enjoy my story, and I wish I had more stories to share. Love you, girls, and creep it real. Don't get scared. With both of y'all seeing it, I'm definitely more like, no, that was weird. Yeah. At least he didn't see the doppelganger, because that could have been bad. Yeah, what happens? You die? Mm Mm-hmm. How do you know? Is it instant? No. I think it means like, oh, shit, I'm about to die soon. I was going to say, how do you know if it's like, oh, I'm dead? The last thing, doppelganger. Right. (laughs) I don't like when I think I see someone like walk past me or whatever and no one's there. So I can't even imagine thinking it was like my coworker or someone who, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. and then go try to look for them and they're not there. Mm -mm. Well, if you go look for a coworker, you in trouble because you work for home. (laughs) Thank y'all so much for sending in all these stories. They were awesome. Just like y'all. If you want one of your stories read on an episode, send it in to us at aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. And remember, creep it real and don't get scared.